Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished professional from Sydney, Australia, Chris Parker. Chris, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Ashutosh. Uh, Chris is a business ethicist. Uh, at the Ethics Center, a community of organizations across sectors that works to collaboratively shape the future of business ethics. So Chris, before we talk ethics, tell me a little bit about your own journey from founding a theater company in Manhattan to the Ethics Center. Yes, okay. Um, I'll, I'll leave it short and sweet. Um, I have, I I, I got expelled from school mm-hmm. and I think I got expelled because I was quite outspoken about what I thought was fair and not fair and probably too outspoken. So that sets one off on a journey. It's always a bit of a rocky road to start there. Um, I then um, went and became a performer. I went to acting school for three or four years, um, acted here in Australia, decided to go overseas. And so I went to New York mm-hmm. and I became an incredibly good waitress. Um, as you do when you're pursuing an acting career in New York. But I I was really lucky to be able to get a little bit of work over there, a bit of TV and theatre and whatnot, Mm -hmm. and um, started a small company down on the Lower East Side on East 4th Street um, with a couple of friends called the Peccadillo Theatre Company, which today is still very successful and is now off-Broadway. So I think it's on West 47th Street. Mm -hmm. Um, Lived in in New York for 10 years, uh, had my first child over there, um, loved acting because of the storytelling aspect of it and the humanity and the exploration mm-hmm. of human uh, as part of it. Came back to Australia. Um, my partner was a chef or is a, is was, same partner, no longer a chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a restaurant for a while and I sort of had that, uh, ran that as well um, while also acting. But I loved that because, again, it was communication with people. It was hearing stories. It was um, just, you know, making people happy, which was really a good thing to do. And uh, then I had another child. Sorry, was I supposed to go into this mm-hmm. sort of detail? Um, and when I when I had my second child, a friend of mine was making films and she said, well, do you want to learn how to edit? And I thought, oh, okay, I'll learn how to edit. So I started to learn how to edit. And then we thought, well, let's have a production company. So we started a production company and we started making film, particularly around um, in the arts area, Uh, made a film on the artists of Luna Park here in Sydney, um, you know, and really explored these incredible people that had impact, you know, here locally Mm -hmm. um, and started looking at, um, you know, sort of civil rights stuff and 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 whatnot and telling stories. And then we started interviewing people and telling their stories from an historical perspective for the government here as well. And um, then my colleague who I had the business relationship with was moving on. And so I decided it was time to go to university. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got over the, the shock of being expelled from school. So went and did a psychology degree, which then again compounded an interest in, in people and the way people work and think. Mm-hmm. And um, I did an internship at the Ethics Centre at the time, which was 13, 12 or 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've been there ever since. Wonderful. And I suppose the, the only thing that's really the biggest surprise for me is not that I'm, you know, working in ethics and looking at behaviour and applied ethics, which is what the Ethics Centre does mm-hmm. in, in Australia, but that I'm working in the business sector. So I've come from the arts 
Um, but I have been working in the business sector for the last eight or nine years now. Fascinating. Fascinating. And uh, how do you define ethics, Chris? I think uh, particularly applied ethics. So the Ethics Centre's mission, I suppose, is to bring ethics to the centre of everyday life. And so for me, ethics is being able to consciously reflect on perhaps your morals, I suppose, in a way, and how they apply to the context at play. So it really is about what ought one to do? In a sense, every time you're making a decision, you're doing ethics mm -hmm. and asking yourself what is going to create the greatest good and mm -hmm. the best um, in this particular context. Mm -hmm. What well, you know, I think Socrates got that and, one. and over over the years, how have you seen the role and importance of business ethics evolve? In the corporate sector, of course. Yeah, a lot, actually. When I first started working in the corporate sector, I think you'd say the word ethics and everybody would run. They just disappeared. <laughs> um, uh, partly because it just wasn't a part of the language and there's always a suggestion if the if the ethicist or comes in, you're going to moralise, you're going to tell, you're, you're there because something's gone wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that's shifted greatly and there's a deeper understanding of how important ethical consideration is, and not only important, but how necessary. So if you look at business and you look at Martin Friedman and you look at that shareholder primacy, mm. you know, the sole purpose of a business was to make money and the only social consideration a business would have was its shareholders. Mm. Well, we've now, you know, grown enough to realise that profit over people um, is not acceptable, whether it's the climate, whether it's the way people are being treated, um, the, the, the environment more broadly, the governance, uh, behaviour of boards and, and, and the organisation themselves. So now, instead of this linear process of if we do this, we make money, they make money, kaboom, we're done. It's this really complex matrix mm -hmm. of considerations that need to be made. And so now mm -hmm. it's flipped. People are embracing ethics. They, they mm -hmm. want the ethics to help them mm -hmm. deal with those trade-offs. Mm -hmm. And also young people have a really strong desire right. to live their values and to work in an organisation mm -hmm. that is, one, not only aligned with their values, but also is being true to the values that they're espousing mm -hmm. and the purpose that they're espousing to have. Mm -hmm. so, and, and covid uh, you know, with with the trade-offs through COVID, suddenly people started to feel the tension of values clashing. And that's ethics, right? And so it's become a part of the vernacular and it's mm -hmm. become embraced. And well, that has definitely been embedded in business. Well which said. Is great to say. Well said. And, and what are some of the common uh, issues that organizations come to you for that, to help them address? Well, I don't know. I think some of the, the common issues that are had in business are either those kind of clashing values, those kind of trade-offs. Um, you know, if we do this, then perhaps, you know, the shareholder won't make as much money, but it's definitely better for the environment. Mm. You know, so it, uh, it is those subtle trade-offs. Other than that, it's often an inconsistency um, with individuals because ethics is very human. It's about behaviour. So it's a real opportunity for people to look at the processes 
um, that they have within their environment, you know, within their organization? And are they creating an environment hmm. where they're causing people to do things and have outcomes that are no longer, you know, appealing to the organization? So that sort of conflict, I think. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I agree. Bad. I'm not saying it's bad, you know, mm-hmm. an, an ethical issue is an opportunity mm-hmm. to correct something to create good. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see it as a bad thing at all. Correct. So, you know, uh, about uh, 15 or 18 years ago, I was in a country and I was talking to a very senior policeman and we're talking about ethics and corruption. And he actually told me, he says, oh, we don't have any corruption in our country. We have cooperation. So if you're going to make uh, hundred dollars of profit and you give me 20 that's perfectly correct which leads me to my next question that is there any gray in ethics whatever you are willing to accept in your own threshold of conscience is acceptable well you see i think that ethics is great is completely great so yes there's a lot a lot of gray in ethics Mm -hmm. and as an individual out there in your own private space, you have your own moral compass. Mm. You have those values and principles Correct. Um, that you hold to true to yourself. But when you join an organisation and you work in a business, mm. you sign a contract that says that your behaviour will align with the values and principles mm. of that organization. So you have right. an obligation or a duty to abide mm. by those values and principles. Mm. Um, so that, what was the question actually? Would I? My, my question to you was that, is there gray in ethics and is there uh, an acceptance of gray based on each individual's threshold of conscience? I don't think it's acceptable, mm-hmm. but I do think it's done all the time. Correct. So I think that, uh, you know, there's a difference between what we might call an ethical dilemma and what we might call a moral temptation. Correct. So in business, you may have a moral temptation where um, someone hasn't signed a contract, but you're 99.99999% mm-hmm. sure that they wanted to sign it. They just left without signing it. So uh, and they're a really important client and you've just started in this business and um, everyone's depending on you. And in fact, this could mean a promotion for you and, and everything. So I'm just going to sign it. Mm. I'm okay with that because actually I'm helping the customer because I know they wanted to sign it anyway. And uh, this could be really good because I need that raise because we want to buy that house and I wanted to sign that mortgage. Mm. And this will be great for my team because we'll all be lifted as someone who's, you know, really successful team that can land something. Is that acceptable? No, it's not. And it's going to make money for the business on top of it. Mm -hmm. So boy, can we rationalize this, but that is a temptation, but it is unethical because you have a legal obligation not to counterfeit, not to forge somebody's signature. Mm. And this is what I find really interesting in in the the fact that businesses don't work hard enough to create an environment where that person could put their hand up and say, oh, my goodness, Mm. I cannot believe I did not get this signature. Mm. I'm so sorry, team. I'm so sorry. Let's all work together and see how we can get this done. 
you know, because when that customer finds out, if they do find out someday if something happens with this contract that it falls mm. apart and they never signed it, the reputational damage for that business far outweighs any kind of, you know, uh, benefit that's made from that particular moment. Correct. And and I think that's where, you know, business has got to start to realise that because of social media and changing norms and expectations of the community mm-hmm. and employee activism, you just can't afford to not do the right thing. It's yep. reputationally too damaging, let alone uh, the, the, the destruction of trust more broadly for that sector mm-hmm. and within the community. Mm-hmm. So I know I've expanded that a long way. No, but, but no, it's, it's a great response. Great response. Thank you. <laughs> great response. The other aspect of ethics that I've often debated with people is the impact of culture. And when I say culture, you know, it's the culture of the organization that you're in, where someone, your boss says, go and get this at any cost. Culture of the, 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 the families that we come from, culture of the countries that we come from. I'd love to get your perspective on how does culture impact ethics? It impacts it greatly because ethics are your values and your principles. And, um, you know, your values are developed a lot through your your moral understanding of the world, which has Mm. come from your family or from your school or from, you know, your community or whatever that might be. Mm. And I think it's a really important issue, actually, of recognising the differences in that culture can have Mm -hmm. on your behaviour or on how you respond to something you've been asked to do. Mm -hmm. I think there's there's a term called moral injury, Mm. which is a term where you are um, behaving in a way that is actually opposed to your values. Mm -hmm. And it does create symptoms very, very similar to post-traumatic stress syndrome Mm. symptoms. Um, So, yes, culture does impact. It doesn't always conflict. But I think it's one of those things that need you need to be transparent about, that you need mm-hmm. to identify. One of those areas where you need to have a conversation up front and be mm-hmm. respectful mm-hmm. and acknowledge that there are different cultures in the room mm-hmm. and acknowledge and, and give permission for people to say, this makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mean, respect. We're humans, right? And, and the best thing that we can do with that cultural difference is to embrace it because mm. it brings different perspectives. I mean, it's the drive behind sort of the diversity and inclusion movement mm. because if all the rules are made by, you know, middle-aged white men, uh, then the results are always going to be the same and service mm. through that kind of view. So yeah. in that sense, um, to me, culture, again, is just an incredible opportunity Uh, to get a different perspective. Well said. The other aspect, uh, Chris, that I've often spoken to people about is the impact of technology. Now, when you look at how technology is all pervasive in most business organizations, that's also beginning to put restrictions on what people can and cannot do using their own so-called initiative. So I'd love to get your perspective on how do you see the f- future of business ethics, given the uh, in, you know explosion of technology uh, within organizations? Mm. 
I think um, I think what tech. I, I think there's a lot of really positive things about technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's more efficient. It'd be more positive. Potentially, much better outcomes for customers, mm-hmm. uh, for vulnerable customers. You know, you know the opportunities are huge. Um, so I think it's it's important to look at what are the issues and how do we confront those. And I, mm-hmm. for me, one of the biggest issues is it actually um, lengthens the distance between the institution and and the customer mm-hmm. even more so. So we, we're getting further away from human contact, mm-hmm. uh, further away from visual cues, um, which is 90% of communication anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is one aspect that i think is something that needs to be paid attention to the other two is i think that the onus of ethical responsibility needs to shift dramatically from not just the ceo or the leaders of an organization or an ethics officer or whatever that might be in your organization mm. but you need to then bring that down to every single individual mm. because you need to bring it down to the person who's writing the algorithm you need to bring it down to the person who's you know deploying the the product whatever that might be mm. who's observing the outcomes mm-hmm. and consistently doing that 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 all needs to be done still by humans. Mm. And I think the other risk too is with the increased automations from the human perspective in business is that there is such a bias to assume that just because the machine says yes, it's yes. Mm. Um, and that we shouldn't lose touch of our humanity and our ability mm. to instinctively sense when something isn't right or mm. to think creatively outside of the algorithm to look for outcomes or unexpected outcomes. Mm. So I think humans will become even more important in uh, in a in a world with incredibly positive opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well said. Uh, my next question is to for startups. You know, uh, the whole world is now focused, young particularly are focused on building their yeah. own startups. It's awesome. And- which, which is phenomenal. But on the, yeah. on the side, while there's a huge amount of economic activity that's possible, we are also seeing some very high profile unicorn startup founders running into trouble. Yeah. I'd yeah, love to get are. your uh, thoughts on what advice would you give to a startup founder to ensure okay. they operate ethically? Well, first of all, like, congratulations, you're a startup founder and you have a clean slate. Like, what an amazing opportunity. You don't have any, nothing's going to come up from 10 years ago, right? Yeah. So that's already amazing. Um, I think that the first thing that you really need to do from an ethics perspective is develop Mm. an ethics framework, Mm. which is looking at your purpose, your values and your principles. Mm. And am I allowed to do a plug here? But Am I allowed to do a plug? On the Ethics Centre website, ethics.org.au, I think, Uh, but you can't miss it, the Ethics Centre Sydney, there is actually Mm -hmm. a free download um, that helps you go through this framework and it's designed for small organisations that may Mm -hmm. not be able to afford to engage us on this level. So you develop this framework, but then the most important thing is to not just stick it up on a wall, like the values on a wall. Don't just yes. say, right, we've done it. Yes, okay, next. Because that's that's the way fat, like startups work, right? Put it into play so that when you're recruiting people, when you're developing your, your remuneration um, processes, mm. when you're looking at which clients you're going to work with, when mm. you're looking at what is your purpose and is this delivering on that purpose? So actively use that 
as a tool, as a startup. And I think the other thing would be um, from an ethics perspective, uh, because I run the banking and financial services oath at the ethics center as well. And for mm. me, it's been like a bit of a startup running it. And what happens would uh, happen to me, you get so you you have to use so much energy mm. and you, you know, and you get tired sometimes. And when you get tired, you need input to build that energy up. And, you know, the bias is to go to someone that's going to give you really great news mm. and the confirmation bias is like, yes, we're doing the right thing. And you think that's what you need to propel you. Mm. But I think from an ethics perspective, you've got to really consciously go to different perspectives mm -hmm. and someone might turn around to you and say, it's not landing. You know, and you might think, okay, I've got to be more agile, I'll change something. Yep. Or somebody might say, I found someone who does this better. I mean, mm -hmm. hopefully not, but you've got to have that courage to cool. really explore, you know, the possibilities of, of, of other other ways, mm -hmm. other avenues. Fascinating. And what would you say is the role of training uh, when it comes to uh, establishing okay. ethical standards in an organization? Yeah, really interesting because some people say, oh, you don't, you can't teach ethics because you learn it from your parents. Well, I teach ethics, so mm -hmm. you can teach it. Yeah. Um, but to me, the most important thing is, and, and morals are quite different to ethics. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's an interesting aspect in itself. Your morals are those, those rules by which and principles by which you live by that are really important. Mm -hmm. But in a certain context, it may not actually be the ethical thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um so as far as training goes, I think the most important thing when it comes to ethics, and I can't say this enough, is that it can't be a tick the box. You can't just put something online and get people to answer questions and go through it. That's mm -hmm. a very intellectual kind of approach to ethics. Ethics, you've got to feel what it feels like. Mm -hmm you're making a hard decision and what does that pull on you so to make it experiential as possible is important and then the other thing is don't do it once a year mm. you know like you do some ethics training and 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 you can see people go oh wow mm. yes I get this and you can really see mm. that it's fitting really well and then you go on with business as usual and you fall back into the BAU kind of way and you're looking around just doing what everyone else is doing because this is the way it's always been done mm. so for me smaller bites more regularly mm. is a much more effective way of of training and mm. for leaders to use the language of ethics when they're making choices and deploying that to the team we're mm. doing this because we value this because this is our purpose mm. you know and so to keep that language alive um in everyday business activities is a really good way to mm. well said so chris i have time for two more questions uh my next question is that I'd love to get your thoughts on the intersection of corporate social responsibility and business ethics. A lot of companies tend to say, oh, we're doing a lot of CSR and therefore we are doing all the right things. Yeah. And 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 I suppose 
in Australia, we don't use CSR as a language anymore. We use okay. ESG as a language, so mm. environmental social governance. Yeah. Mm. Um, and interestingly enough, the work that's been done with the community is only 14% of the community even know what the language or the acronym means. Mm. But it's that idea of um, consideration for, you know, more, more stakeholders more generally. Mm -hmm. um, I think... I don't think it's so much an intersection as opposed to an underlay. I mm. I see ethics as the foundation mm. of um, a, a a positive and uh, flourishing corporate social responsibility program. Mm. I think that that CSR or ESG or God, all the acronyms. Mm. Um, I, I think that's very much a, a, a way of saying we are considering everybody and everything in the way we run our business. Mm. Now, what that says to me is a stack of trade-offs mm. on every level, mm -hmm. the complexity. So how do you do that without ethics? Mm. I don't I, I I don't think it's one or the other. I think you have to underpin. Mm -hmm. all of your CSR work with ethics because how else are you going to determine how to make those trade-offs? If, you know, I mean, if you're a business that wants to be successful financially mm -hmm. now because of all those reasons I said before, making a mistake which could have reputational damage is mm -hmm. going to be much more of a financial issue for you mm -hmm. than making money off something at the expense of somebody else. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that without mm -hmm. ethics, without the conversation of right. what are we valuing? What is our purpose? Mm -hmm. What is our principle here? Mm -hmm. So yeah, mine I would be an intersection. Mine would be a layer. I agree with you. Agree completely. <laughs> and my last question, Chris, and this is for the, thousands of people who will listen to our conversation oh, based on your understanding of ethics uh, what would you say are three lessons you would want a lot of our young viewers and listeners to take away from your understanding of ethics and our conversation okay so and I in business I, I'm talking but this is in yeah. life in general I suppose yeah. one would be be careful what you ask for. So mm -hmm. there's a there's a, often a movement towards a zero tolerance kind of yeah. principle that yeah. can be had, um, and I think there are times where there that is absolutely uh, necessary, but you know around causing harm. Mm -hmm. But there are other times where zero tolerance is uh, another way of saying we're looking for perfection, and. When you're looking for perfection in ethics, it's not going to happen because mm. we're human beings. Mm. It's just not. And if you're demanding it, what you're doing is you are kind of pushing your employees or your family or your friends to hide the things that have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is really, you know, detrimental and yep. something that should be avoided. Correct. Um, uh, you said you wanted three things. I think I actually wrote a couple of these down so I could find. Yeah. Um, oh, I know one. Yeah. So I think this is a really good lesson too, which is the idea of when you're making the rules mm -hmm. in your organization or in mm -hmm. your home or anywhere, because mm -hmm. you're trying to keep people behaving well and mm -hmm. ethically, don't make it for the people that are bad. 
Mm. Like don't make those rules for the people that are going to steal from you or the people that are going to lie to you or the people, you know, because mm. those people are very few and far between. Mm. There are not many people that wake up in the morning mm. and say, I want to be bad today. Yeah. You know, make the rules and the guidelines mm. for the people that want to do good. Mm. You know, look for those things in your organization or your systems or, you know, what, whatever. Or like, it's like I remember as a kid, and this mm. is really bad, but I used to steal money out of my dad's money jar because I knew where it was. And back then it was just coins. It was like a 50 cents would buy me a sausage roll, which was amazing. Mm. And I stole it because there had been an increase in prices at the tuck shop mm -hmm. and I hadn't said, I need more money. That doesn't buy me what I used to buy me last year. Mm. And so it was like, don't put in a rule that says, you know, you know, don't lock the cupboard, Correct. say, oh, perhaps we need to increase your pocket money. Mm. So put the rules in to create an environment that makes it easier for the good people to do what they want to do, which yeah. is the good and right thing for the business. Well said, well said. And that on that two, note, I think we're running out of time. Sorry. No, and on that note, Chris, and your wonderful lessons, be careful what you ask for. And second, you said was don't make rules for people who want to do good. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your journey. Thank you oh, for no. discussing. Uh, oh, sorry. Don't make rules for people who are going to do bad don't make the rules for the people who are going to do bad because things. most people want to do good yeah correct thank you. so uh thank you for talking to me about uh ethics and so many different aspects of ethics which uh, i think i enjoyed talking to you i got some very interesting perspectives from you so thank you again for speaking to me and good luck Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank really, you. really appreciate it. And good luck to you too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.